Feliz Navidad! And stick to football. That was the only Spanish I had on the top of my head. This is Matt Miller, lead draft writer of Bleach Report. Joined, as always, on Mondays, we got Mello wooing and Connor wondering what the hell did I just walk into? A, a very Merry Christmas to all of our loyal stickies out there and even the new sticky ickies out there. Uh... Really excited to have you guys a show for whether it's you're listening on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, because guys, we're going to have some fun with this one. We are going to have some fun. We've been promising this for months, a draft on draft show, and we're bringing it to you. We have a ton of draft on draft questions loaded up. And if you guys missed it on the Friday show, Mello and I introduced a new segment called Would You Rather? We're going to get to some of those because it's fun and we want to get Connor involved. So as one of our last shows of 2018, we definitely, like you, Connor said, appreciate the hell out of all you guys. We wanted to have a show that gives back and answers a lot of your questions. So we're going to kick this off. Uh, Mello, would you like to read the first question? Oh, you're going to give me this name? What? I don't even know what these are. I's or L's? or I don't know either. Ikaluzi. Yep, sure. From Melbourne. That's good Australia. Yeah. As a Seahawk fan, I've seen them go through a lot of Smokies and Spark guys a lot. Who in the draft looks like a Seahawks kind of prospect? Secondly, what kind of impact do you think Cliff Kingsbury will have at USC? So as far as like the Smokey and Spark guys, that refers to a certain type of testing. You know, Spark became a big thing in high school recruiting to try to get an athletic baseline across the board. And one thing you heard in our mock draft Monday episode was, uh, last week, a lot of us like guys like Montez Sweat for them. Brian Burns twitched up long, fast edge rushers if they do look to rep- replace Frank Clark. You know, at wide receiver, you're going to see guys like Andy Isabella because of his three cone, uh, the agility, a tight end. It's going to be no offense. Like those are the types of guys that fit them. And and hey, we got to give credit to Seattle. They turn this shit around on the fly real fast without addressing like any offensive lineman. They're still a good football team. They no fired line. their coach. Helps. Yeah. yeah, and let's speak to the Kingsbury thing. Jay Glazer coming out and said teams are already exploring his USC buyout. Yeah. So if That's you want to know his impact at USC, uh, maybe a couple house parties these next couple months and then off to the NFL. That would be that would be hilarious. really interesting. <laughs> it would be absolutely hilarious. It would be such a USC thing to happen to. Like, oh, we signed this great new offensive coordinator. Oh, wait, he is gone by January. <laughs> That's unreal. What was your favorite moment of the Cliff Kingsbury USC era? (laughs) Yeah, right. When he took the job or when he left? I do think Uh, he can have a pretty big impact there. You look at the success that he's had in Lubbock. That's Lubbock, Texas. He's going to Southern California where they are known to get some very good quarterback talent. Oh, yeah, and they also have some receivers out there that can play. So he can definitely have a huge impact on this offense, and he's going to have the guys to do it now. Love it. Next question from Ianberg Two. I know you guys don't take the combine into major consideration after the season, but is there any? But is there any players? Oh, that kills me. Are there any players that you take their combine performance into consideration a little more than others? JJ Arcega Whiteside, someone who came out of nowhere and had a big senior year, or maybe a small school guy. I think injury guys are the top ones for me because we want to see you healthy. Um, like Nick Bosa, who's been hurt, want to see if he can get in there, play healthy and just see how well he moves coming off the injury. That's where it's big. I think small school guys, like, yeah, it can be nice. I feel like the bowl games are better for them, like the Senior Bowl or Shrine Game or NFLPA Bowl. Uh, Those are important. Uh, I'll never forget uh, a couple years ago taking a walk with a scout and and talking about a player. I can't remember the player, but I remember the conversation about, like, that dude's fast. And he was like, did you not know that already? Like, when I know it was fast. And he was like, yeah, so 
you know he was fast, so it doesn't matter that he's you know the number now. You already knew it was fast. So I think that's don't the count thing it with twice. The right. Don't count it twice. You know, don't look at, you know, like we know Andy Isabella's fast. We know that Kendall Sheffield's fast. They're gonna run fast to Indy and it's exciting. Don't get too caught up in it and overrate them just because you now know how fast they are. That makes sense. I right? think it's a great point. And I think also for me, I just kind of make an early list. Like, I don't know how fast Nikhil Harry, Colin Johnson, Arsega Whiteside, Kelvin Harmon, like uh, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. I don't know. Like, are they four or five guys? Because if you're a big guy and you run a four or five, like Cortland Sutton, for example, build up speed, you that's fine. You live with that. Or are they like in that four, six, five range? It, it does matter sometimes, but I do like that the question was, you know, raised that it's not taken into major consideration. And it's it's not going to be like a deal breaker, but it might might help you separate two guys away from each other. If Nikhil Harry does run very quick, he's I think he will shoot up boards because I love him. Uh, but if he does run in that 4-6 range, he's probably going to be a second rounder just because other teams are going to say, you know what, we like these other guys that run a little bit faster. We know they're going to be able to separate with their speed, but that's that's about it. All right, this one from, I'll give you a little break here. Aaron Selly, do you think part, this is a two-parter here, first part, do you think part of the Patriots' success is from Belichick being the head coach and GM? I do. Yeah, we talk about it all the time, the harmony you have to have, whether it was Andy Reid and John Dorsey, Pete Carroll and John Schneider. I mean, you have to have that. So the fact that he, I mean, is his own harmony there, it, it definitely works. And you got to give credit to Ernie Adams, who's, you know, I don't even know what his title is. He's a fucking spy. I mean, he's sitting in an office being creepy, spying on people and evaluating football players. And I'm jealous. Well, it's the GM's job to get what the coach needs. So he already knows what he needs. He just goes out and he gets it. Bill Parcells, There's baby. no like lost in translation there. The, he knows what he wants and he goes out and he tries to find it. And he's just had some success doing it. Really, I think he's just such a great head coach that he's covered up some of the flaws with him as a GM because they have not drafted well recently. He has Tom Brady there and they took him in the sixth round. Let's not act like they loved him. They took him in the sixth round. So him as a head coach is Hall of Fame best we've ever seen. Him as a GM, you got Tom Brady. Good job. (laughs) And he doesn't have to fill holes on his own roster, but I think you've got to give credit to some of the guys that work under him you know, that, that have been there, like Nick Casario, who's been there for a very long time and might not be a GM, but like Bill isn't on the road scouting LSU, Georgia. Nick is. So you got to give credit to those guys too. Part two, does Jerry Jones involvement make the Cowboys job less attractive? Here's my take on this. And I know that you two both might disagree with me. I think it makes it more attractive. I really do because Jerry Jones might be like, He might be loud, and he might take the attention away. But guess what? He also takes the pressure off you. Jason Garrett's been there clapping on that fucking sideline for like 17 years now, never won a Super Bowl, and he's still there, and we're talking about how he might be saving his job. Has he won a playoff game? I almost said he hadn't, but then I was like, wait, maybe he has. I don't know if he has. I don't know if he has either. Like Jerry is loyal, man. And also, you get the best of everything. Go tour the star in Frisco. You're going to be like, this is where I want to be. I mean, you get the the best. Of, the money's great. The facilities are the best in the world. It's like Jerry, yes, in some ways is obnoxious and maybe, you know, seems like he wouldn't be fun. I've never met anyone in my eight years of covering this league who doesn't love Jerry Jones. 
Like people who work in the league. Well, and you also have like a built-in excuse. Like he takes a lot of the heat when the Cowboys are not successful. And they always say like, you need to bring in a real GM, not just have an owner there. So I think you, maybe you were onto something. Maybe it does make the job more attractive. And I think it goes back to something we always try to bring up on this podcast. Will McClay doesn't get enough credit yep. there for the job that he does because so used to hearing from Jerry and Stephen Jones. So, and just to answer that question, guys, Jason Garrett has won one playoff game in his tenure in Dallas. So you nailed it. Very, very loyal. All right. Next question here. The incredible Mulk 14 as objectively as you can, how would you evaluate Sam Ellinger as a pro prospect? Ooh, you want this first? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll take it first. Uh, right now, honestly, I don't know that I would evaluate him as a pro prospect. He has not shown me a lot in the passing game. I love the style that he plays with, but I just don't know that that's going to translate. He doesn't have a lot of arm strength. He doesn't have a lot of arm accuracy either. I know he threw like 300 straight uh, completions without an interception, but or sorry, attempts without an interception, but I still just don't see the arm talent there. I don't think he's a great athlete. He's a fullback playing quarterback. And I hope he wins a national championship, but I just don't see it translating to the pros. Uh, I think uh, you were accurate when you called him the Texas Tebow. I think that's yeah. the type of player he is. He is. He's a he's a power fullback playing quarterback, and he. I love Sam. His what he's brought to the University of Texas is very important. He's a tough son of a bitch, and he's a great leader. As a quarterback, he throws a lot of jump balls to, to guys who are six foot six receivers. and six foot four, and I think it will be. Uh, interesting to see if Colin Johnson and LJ Humphrey leave for the NFL, how well he plays the passing game because Andrew Beck, the tight end, graduates this year. So he's a great runner. I don't think as a passer he's there yet. It's not saying he can't be because we saw big improvements from last year to this year, but as a pro prospect, he's not on my radar right now. And part two of the question is, is Notre Dame essentially UCF just with more historical (laughs) prestige? (laughs) My God, God, that is so harsh and to answer hell no Notre Dame at least (laughs) plays a real football team once in a while they beat Michigan this year okay while UCF plays the cupcake schedule and then complains to everyone that they didn't get invited to the four-team playoff while we're talking about this how bad do you think LSU beats them uh UCF yeah the Uh, only chance they have is if everybody actually like if nobody plays in the game like if Devin White greedy all those guys are like nah we're out so greedy's not yeah Greedy's not. What, but. What's what? What do you think the line is on that game? Fifteen. Yeah, god, I was going to no. say like fourteen and a half. So yeah, probably so. Oh I, god, I, I've. Oh, you guys I've know become such a UCF hater. I become such a UCF hater, and I feel bad because it sounds so petty. But I'm just so tired of talking about it. I just wish Notre Dame would join a fucking conference. Like that's what I want. Notre Dame. I get. Yeah. Join a I conference agree. and just put all of it, you know, to bed. Just same with UCF though. Join a better conference, and then we don't have to have this argument every year that you go undefeated. Uh, but are they on the same as Notre Dame, UCF, comparing them? Uh, no. no. It's just traditional. They have that prestige because they win. They've done it before. They're not a newcomer. Uh, UCF, I think, started playing football in like 1996 or something like that. So uh, Notre Dame's been doing it a little bit longer than UCF. All right, Yate Dog got a couple questions for us. Who's one player you'd like to apologize to uh, that you thought wouldn't be good at the next level? Uh, oh, man. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. And I didn't. I Daniel have... Hunter for me. You... Who was it? Daniel Hunter. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, 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 I owe him the biggest of apologies. I did not think he was any good at LSU, and I didn't think he would translate as, as a guy to develop, and I couldn't have been more fucking wrong. So sorry to Neil. That's kind of like he's kind of that Montez Sweat type, you know, Brian Burns type guy, where it's just like, God, he's so fucking long and twitchy, but is he any good? I'm trying to think of one. Like, there's got to be some. Trent Richardson? Trent. No, I thought he was going to be really good. Uh, I'll go next while you think, because there's obviously there's some, for you. there's some tape out there that I talk shit on a guy uh, for roughly a year, and it turns out he he's had a very successful, I guess you would say, 2018 campaign. So I would like to apologize formally to Pat Mahomes, because I said the Chiefs should have stuck with Alex Smith for another year, and uh, they're doing pretty good this year. So I apologize, Pat. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm having a hard one. Like, someone that I didn't think was going to be good. You guys might have to help me. I mean, I apologize to Luke Keekley. That's the one that comes up, and I did. I, like, owned it to his face. It's like, hey, sorry, man. And same with Tyron Matthew. I was like, I tweeted, and it got to him. It was like, he's off my board. Like, when they found the duffel bag of weed in his apartment, it's like, he's off my board. This guy obviously doesn't care about football. He's off my board. So, I mean, I was wrong about him, and and he's obviously turned it around and been fantastic. Um, Would you say Mariota or Winston? Have they? I had them both. No, I had Winston yeah, yeah. high, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sure, like, uh, this is just, I I just am, like, brain farting. I can't think of one. I'm sure there's just so many that I can't can't accurately think of one. Aaron Donald would be a, probably a pretty accurate one. I had him way too low for him being the best defensive lineman I've ever seen now. So, I think that's a pretty obvious one. Baker Mayfield. I don't know that, like, with Baker Mayfield, I wanted him to be bad. I don't know if I ever thought he was going to be. I would love to watch just the wheels fall off there in Cleveland and him be bad. Uh, but I honestly, I don't know if it's going to happen. He's been very, very good this year. Yeah. And and the opposite of his question, and I don't know if I understand this, one player you want to cure because you thought they were going to be good and they weren't? Uh, one. Trent Richardson. That's <laughs> yeah. my, I mean, oh God. how much different Carlo, would my yeah. life be? If Trent Richardson had turned out good. I still just don't understand why you're the only person that gets hate for missing on Trent Richardson. It's Wasn't funny, he the number though. three pick that year? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at running back. It would be like if Leonard Fournette wasn't any good or Saquon. Like, everybody thought they were going to be good. It's exactly like that. No. I, I don't know. know. Uh, I wish Solomon well, Thomas were good at football. But yeah, that would yeah, be great. That's been rough. That's been and, real and rough. For this uh, one, I don't know if I have one, honestly. You're too new to the Car- draft side. It's Carlos Henderson for me. He bombed out. Oh, so that bad. was your dude. Shit, yeah. I loved him. I still will go to bat that he's good. He's just an idiot. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at mine. Like there are guys like I mean Darren Lee. I liked a lot. I had him as the. He's number. been good this year. Yeah. So it's like, buddy. Noah Spence. That one probably counts. Oh, I liked him a lot. too. I liked him a lot too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There are a lot of players that I feel like I was way high on and shit. Jameis Winston is one of them. You know, it's like he had all the tools. It should be great. Kevin White. Never mind. That's it. Oh, my God. If Kevin White could have stayed healthy, man, I fucking loved that dude coming out of West Virginia. Had him one spot above Amari Cooper, and I have never heard the end of it. Because he's never played. Right. And it's one of those like <laughs> I can't even say anything because he hasn't played. So I don't know. That 2015 draft was rough, though. There's a lot of questionable picks in that one as far as like character and guys can't stay healthy. So, uh, yep, Mello, your turn to read. All right, Tony J. Lee, 87. 
Ooh, it's a Jets question. Should the Jets go offense in the first round to help Darnold or go defense where the strength of the draft is? If only we had a Jets expert to ask this question to. Oh, man, you surely can use one. So, all right, the Jets are now slated to... The Jets are picking top five, right? I mean, I think it feels that way. Um, So here's the thing. You're either taking Jonah Williams in the top five if you're going offense, which I'd rather take a pass rusher. If you trade out of that pick and move back... I can make an argument for taking Noah Fant because Darnold needs mismatch weapons and he's the guy in this class. But if they're sitting in that top five, I I just can't see them going playmaker. It's just a really good defensive class. Yeah, I agree with you. And I actually was having this conversation on Twitter with Damian Woody. And it was like, if you pay a defensive guy, draft Jonah Williams. It, it's all going to come down to what their free agency plan is. I, I think I read this week, the Jets have the most cap space of any team. So where they decide to go with that 80, 90 million dollars is going to dictate the rest of this. And I think we might be able to even accurately predict once we get to March and we see what happens to free agency, we could probably sit back pretty easily and be like, okay, well, it's going to be uh, Josh Allen or it's going to be Jaikai Polite or, hey, yeah, it'll be Jonah Williams or a trade down type situation. I, I think it's really intriguing because they don't have that second rounder. So we could even see them try to slide back and get some more picks. All right, next one from our guy, Wyatt. He always sends us really good stuff. Wyatt Charter 7. Rank Clowney, Mac, Miller, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, (laughs) and Miles Garrett as draft prospects. So is this uh, them coming out? Not like what we've seen so far in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, For me me and Mel really weren't doing this when Khalil Mack was a pro. Oh, I was. I was like (laughs) blogging. I was blogging. Yeah. I was maybe watching. Uh, I've said before, and I will not back off this, and people can find the tapes. They're out there. Von Miller, I gave a perfect grade to, and he's the only defender I've ever done that. So like, I have the grades that will tell you that it's Von Miller, then it's Miles Garrett, then it's uh, Mac, then it's Bosa. And I actually think Nick Bosa will be a little bit higher than Joey was, um, but that's that's how it is for me. I fucking loved Cleo Mack. And with Clowney, I'm sorry, actually Clowney would be in there uh, ahead of the the Boses, but I was worried about injuries with him. Yeah. He was so banged up. Yeah, He was kind of lazy coming out that junior year, didn't have the production. But I loved Von Miller watching him at Texas A&M. I would put it at Miller and then Mack. That's very easy to say now with hindsight, but I loved both of those guys coming out of college. And I thought that Khalil Mack, if if he would have been at a big-time program, that probably would have even helped him out a little bit more. Just being at Buffalo, he was kind of hiding there for a while. Yeah, Whereas they, guys like the Bosa's, you knew who they were as soon as they got on the field at Ohio a, State. Like a one- or two-star recruit coming out, Mack was. He had that game against Ohio State, though, where everybody was like, ooh. Right. But that wasn't even until his senior year. And it, right. it took until then that people really right. started to notice him. I was too yeah, old on him. I think Nick Bose is really close to Miles Garrett. They're both better prospects than Joey was. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick Bose is special. Miles Garrett was special. So it's a great question. I mean, Matt, you've spoken to it. You thought Von Miller was just an absolutely special player. What distinguished him to get that perfect grade that no other defend defensive prospect has gotten for you? Man, I think it was everything. Like, it was obviously character. You know, off field was all super high. Uh, he was never banged up in college, which I think you can look at. You know, Miles Garrett was, Clowney was, uh, Bosa is now. So it's like a, it's kind of like we talked about Saquon last year. It's like he's a Boy Scout. He's never been hurt. Oh, and he's a physical specimen. So for Miller, especially then, there was all the rage of, you know, the 3 4 was getting more predominant. Guys were, you know, coming off both edges a little bit more. 
I loved his speed and he's not, he still isn't, you know, he was never like the thickest guy, but his ability to dip his inside shoulder and accelerate while rolling his hips. I I've still never seen anyone since probably Derek Thomas do it like Von Miller. So I, I loved him as a junior. I remember saying that year, like if he came out, he'd be a top 10 pick and he didn't. And he went back to school, and this was like kind of in the earlier days of Twitter. I remember getting a lot of shit about that of saying, you know, he's gonna he would be a top ten pick for me if he came out. Uh, obviously, he didn't. He goes back to school, and he was ahead of Pat Pete, ahead of AJ Green, Julio Jones, all those guys for me in a in a very very good twenty eleven draft class. All right, next question, Brandon Olson. How much would Mac Wilson staying in school impact the other linebackers in the 2019 draft? We talked about this last Monday uh, on the the draft show that we did. It, it's big. I mean, it's Devin White's the top one for me. Mac Wilson's second. Devin Bush is probably like two B, and they're they're very different players. But I think it it pushes everyone up. It helps T.J. Edwards. It helps Cameron Smith. It helps Cleo Hodge. Like all these guys that you know you think are in that next tier. Well, teams that have a need. You're not going to draft Khalil Hodge in the first round if you didn't have him there anyway, but it could definitely push him a little bit higher in the draft order when it comes down to it. And I'm right there with you, too. Like it's, We're probably going to see two or three of these guys get drafted in the first round, and if Mac Wilson isn't there, it's just going to push everybody else up the board, just like we talked about with Devin Bush last week. Time to dig into the good old Reddit thread. You guys have been really active on there, so it's great to see. We're going to rip through a ton of draft on draft questions that you posted in here. This first one from Apache 1021. Do you believe underclassmen who declare early should be able to return to college football if they go undrafted? Why or why not? That's a tough one. I want to say yes for the players, uh, but at the same time, you're really doing yourself an injustice because if you declare, you're not going to school anymore, and then you're just supposed to, oh, I didn't get drafted. I'm going to go back to school now. I got to pick that all up again. Uh, you're not doing yourself any favors. And then we're just going to see every person declare. Right. You don't know what you have coming back That's for next point. year's draft. You don't know what you have to look forward to in college football. It's just a shit show if that happens. And it fucks up recruiting. Like, because yep. it, one, uh, I probably do a terrible job. I'm going to get in trouble one of these days for, for doing this. But one thing that happens this time of year is the guys who work in recruiting offices at colleges are asking me, Hey, where are where do you have this player ranked, or where, what round do you think this guy goes in? Because they use that these directors of recruiting to to start trying to fill those spots. So, like you know, if you're Ohio State and you're losing Nick Bosa, well, you you know you need another pass rusher to eventually replace him. I mean, so, thank God they have Chase Young. Exactly right. So they've done it well, but that's super important. If a rule went into effect where guys could go back to school, how do you recruit for that? Because signing day is before the draft. Yeah, they so have you one in have December to, and like right. one in February. You would have to change January. everything because you're expecting those roster spots to open up. If they don't, like what if you're uh, Jarrett Stidham? What if Jarrett Stidham goes undrafted? He still has eligibility. Right. He goes back to Auburn? Well, what are they going to do at quarterback now? Like you have one too many quarterbacks. So like I think it's something that it sounds good in theory, but in practice it doesn't work. Yeah, in practice you just say you need to get a better idea of if you're going to be drafted. If you're in that day three range, you should probably just take your ass back to college. Yeah, that's why they say if day three from the advisory committee is go back to school. All right, yeah, now, I love it. I, I agree with you guys. I think it's just yeah. way too complicated. All right, Billy Bob Butler Jr. Ooh, I wonder how Billy Bob that's Butler Sr. is doing. What has to happen on draft day for it to be considered a good draft? For example, crazy videos emerging, lots of trades, fallers and risers. I think mostly Kevin Costner has to never talk to Jennifer Garner. 
for draft day to be good. He capitalized the D's, so it made me think of the movie. God, Ooh. what a horrible movie. If, horrible the, if movie. you take the love interest out of that movie, it's still improbable, but it's like it's watchable. But I can't love think of a movie that's worse. Uh, it's the worst movie ever. It's just so Disney, like fairy tale, like that's not realistic. The GM panicking when he's on the clock. Being able to get the two, like your two favorite prospects in the draft. Or well, whatever. I mean, Dallas did that, I think. Because of like injury, not because right. you wheeled and dealed. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you got Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack at Jacksonville. Yeah. It wasn't because you wheeled and dealed. Uh, so actually, for me to be like a good draft, when we talk about that, it's more about the players in the class. For it to be like a fun like draft day, I would love it for crazy videos not to emerge because I don't want to see any yeah. kids' stock get hurt. I think trades make it fun. Um, like last year, we saw a lot of guys fall down the board, and that meant a lot of work for me, which like if you guys are new to the podcast and you've never followed Bleach Report throughout the draft, like I will be sitting on a desk with, I assume, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims again. And as the picks come in, we evaluate them. And last year, there were so many guys falling that I'm trying to do that and like gather news to find out why guys are falling down the board or like trades that might happen, things like that. So that makes it for me the night go by fast, but it is a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I think the Browns did a really nice job last year building suspense around the number one pick. I think that matters so yeah, much. That helps too. When we when we go to draft night and we're like, oh well, this guy basically has been the number one pick like all along. It's like, okay, it's not really as exciting anymore. Last year it was like, I mean, I remember sitting in that studio with you, Matt, and we were looking at each other like, holy shit, like they're going to take Baker Mayfield number one. Yeah, and I mean, I remember walking out of a, I don't know if you remember the night before the draft, I got a phone call and it was from someone who knows and they were like, hey, I think Baker's going to be the pick. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, come on, not really. And they're like, no, no, really. And and it does, that makes it exciting when we don't know who the first pick's going to be. Yeah, let's keep it rolling here. Bill drives a NFJ, an FJ. Oh, Bill drives an FJ, a cruiser. Way to go, Bill. Those things are neat. They kind of look like a toy. <laughs> Do you have any early top 10 for the 2020 draft class? Oh, I don't have anything uh, that early, like top 10. I mean, we will, you know, we draft weekend, obviously, because we're more tapped into college football this year. We're aware of, I think, guys like Jake Fromm, Judy. The skill position is going to be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, Obviously, um, this year, defensive line heavy. Next year, the skill position looks like it's going to be very special. Receiver, running back, quarterback. It's it's going to be very unique draft class. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that you can do, you know, peek at the All-American teams and look at those underclassmen, and it is, it's loaded up at the the skill players, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, like it's mm-hmm. so next year's class could be very, very good. A fun one here from Sports Fiend. What do you guys envision Stick to Football will be doing as far as expanding on your brand a year from now? Maybe inviting fans of the show to come on, more podcast shows, more merchandise, more tailgate trips, possibly going global. Thoughts? Ooh, ooh. Hopefully, more merchandise. I do think that's something that we will be doing next year. I would love to take it global. I don't know if that's going to ever happen. Prestige worldwide. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. I I guess this is probably a question for me, right? Uh, Inviting fans to come on the show. Yes. Anytime we're live, we're going to do that. It's a little more complicated when we're not live just for sound quality. You know, if we were to call, uh, you know, one of our listeners right now and have them come on the show, we have to worry about ambient noise and echoes and things like that so when you guys are with us out in the field yeah we want to bring you on to to ask questions and have fun more shows 
We're doing three a week right now, which is about as much as we can do because Mello and Connor have other jobs. I have articles to write. So we're a little limited on expanding above, above that. Merchandise, yeah, we're here for it. We want more of it. I think that's something we'll see get ramped up. More tailgate trips, yeah. I, I think at least tailgate trips. I don't know if there's going to be more. Um, we'll just have to see what happens with our schedules. But I, I know we're all really happy, and the bosses are really happy with where things are going. So I would expect more of the same. But uh, just hold tight. We have some good news coming on that stuff too. So Yeah, there's come, exciting come, stuff come in the more works. Weeks. There's going to be some yeah. fun announced. So I'm ready for that. You tease. Uh, I am a tease. I mean, what I can easily say is the show is growing, whether it is from a larger audience perspective or also – the ability for us to do more stuff. I think I'm so ridiculously excited for the lead up to the draft this year because us three will have obviously a ton of involvement for actual draft week. But of course the live shows at the senior bowl, the live show at the combine, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but maybe something brewing in New York city. Uh, I won't give any specifics away there, but this, all I could say is if you are a fan of the show, it's only going to get way bigger and way better. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, let's get one more draft on draft question before we play a little would you rather from Captain Sweaty Pants. So great. It's a great name. What I love if, this question, too. Uh, well, he has a lot in here. You don't know. Where, you might not know where I'm going. Ready? I'm oh, you better an go. Iowa fan, Ready? judging by all I'm, this. I'm just going random on this God. one. This one gets me fired up, though. Who do you think is the most undeserving Hall of Famer yes. in history? Tony Dungy. Oh, God. Or Jerome Bettis. It's one of the two. I'm with you too. And we were talking about Lovey Smith before. Like Tony Dungy, the guy won one Super Bowl and we anoint him like he is the greatest head coach of all time. Like John Gruden took that same exact roster in Tampa Bay, introduced Brad Johnson to it, and won the Super Bowl. He he's great coach. I think he's done a lot for his players, but I think he's a little overrated. Man, okay, so Bettis, before Steelers <laughs> fans literally kill me, and I get it. Played in the NFL for 13 years. He averaged over four, four yards per carry. Four times. Four times, yep. Oh, God. On his career, four times. he averaged under four yards per carry. Yeah. He's a compiler. That's he, what he is. If you was, last long enough, you get the Hall of Fame. Exactly. That's what this that says was one me. of those, like, Frank Gore. Like, I love what Frank Gore's doing longevity-wise. Don't you fucking say it. <laughs> but, I mean, has he ever <laughs> even been, like, a top five or top ten running yes. back? Like in the league, like two, three years, maybe? Probably. But he's a 10,000 yard back. And if you can do that, you're an automatic in. Jerome Bettis got in because he's fat and because he won a Super Bowl in his hometown. <laughs> God. Let's be honest. That's it. It's like if the Fridge Perry were in. Oh, it's cute. You were a novelty. Let's give you an, a Hall of Fame jacket. It doesn't mean anything anymore. And Jerome Bettis is never <laughs> coming on the show. No. We wouldn't want him on. That's fine. His ad agency can email <laughs> me. I don't want him on the show. He was not that good. He was a fullback who got a ton of glory carries toward the end of his career. <laughs> Last year in the square, he rushed for 300 yards. Yeah, he and still had really nine pissed. touchdowns. I remember when he had like one yard and three touchdowns in a game. I think it might have been that Super Bowl even. Like they yeah. were just giving it to him on the one yard line. And he happened to score some touchdowns. You know touchdowns. what they just gave to him? A gold jacket and a bust. And because it's because they're on TV. Jerome Bettis, Tony Dungy, guess what they're both doing on Sundays? They're on TV. We're recording a podcast. 
little off-air conversation because this is what happens to stick to football. Y'all are listening to this, hopefully Christmas Eve morning. And the big question in my house uh, between my girlfriend and I, there's a lot of little kids living there. The whole school bus at your house. It's a basketball team. (laughs) And I was telling Melo and Connor that I have convinced the kids that Santa Claus wants soft pretzels, cheese, and beer instead of milk and cookies. Got us wondering if you guys, if you have kids or when you have kids, you can convince them to leave anything out for Santa. What would it be? All right, the big guy can't just eat milk and cookies from every house. Right. He's got to mix it up a little bit. Got a sweet and savory. Yeah. Right. Just Man, tell him that I, you emailed him and he said, <laughs> like, oh, I'm thing. getting a little tired of the milk and cookies. Connor, I have the kids email the tooth fairy because I got tired of waiting for them to write out notes. I was like, whoops, email. <laughs> that's it's cool. Whoops, email. That's <laughs> so great. What's the, the tooth fairy's email address? The tooth fairy at gmail.com. It's uh, like what they named the tooth fairy at our house, like Meadow. So it's meadow at toothfairy.com. That's, I swear to God, I have e- emails in my sent box to the tooth fairy. <laughs> Dude, being a dad sounds wild. It's I'm like, <laughs> that is. I would ask for uh, a medium rare flame mignon <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with with a glass of red wine yeah. from <laughs> for Santa Claus. That's it. I hopefully uh, my future kids. Yeah, if that happens, Mellow's uh, girls are ordering Casey's pizza. And <laughs> right, <laughs> leaving Dr. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh man. So right. we're gonna get a little crazy to close this thing out. It's not just draft on draft, but it is would you rather. And we're going to get you used to this, Connor, because we've had so much fun with this, and the, the people I, are getting so jealous. It. So Sports Fiend with the first one. Would you rather be the first person to win a championship in two different sports or be the first player to win a Heisman Trophy twice while playing for a different collegiate program each year you won the award? So you're going to win the Heisman twice for uh, different schools. But unlike Archie Griffin, you're going to transfer. You're going to Baker Mayfield this shit and then win it twice. Yeah, uh, I would rather win a championship in two different sports because, as we've said every week, baseball players make so much fucking money. And it would just be cool. We grew up in an era where players were starting to do that, like Bo Jackson and the greatest corner ever, Deion Sanders, did it Charles as well. Woodson just Whoa, played two positions. Charles Woodson played offense and defense. Those are the same sport. Right. Second. It's the same sport. Corner. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to agree with you, and I would love to win a championship with two teams. If you could do it for... For me here in Missouri, the Chiefs and the Royals, they would put up a statue in every city in Missouri. Yeah, that's true. So for you guys, it's it's just simply baseball, football, right? Well, I mean, like you could if you want to play goalie for the that's where my Rangers and then you know safety for the Jets, go for it. Like that'd be pretty fucking cool too. Your seasons overlap though. It's tough. Yeah. I, I think it would be cool if like to win the Super Bowl. And then join your hockey team for the Stanley Cup chase. Yeah, that would be absolutely crazy. So, I, but no, World Series Super Bowl would be. I'm with you guys all the way. That would be absolutely incredible. Smoking up Michigan. That's an <laughs> interesting name. Uh, would you rather be a high first round? You like that? Like smoking up Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather be a high first round pick that only plays out one contract and flames out? Or be a low round pick and maybe not even become a household name, but play for 10 years plus. Oh, yeah. it's the latter for me. Yeah. I, just, oh, that's tough. Cause like if you're a high first round pick, you're, you're a multimillionaire. Right. And you're, if you're financially, you know, if you're a little smart with your money, you're set for life very comfortably. Uh, I know a lot of people fuck that up to put it kindly. But at the same time, I'd rather kind of be the middle of the pack player. 
for 10 years because that's still a lot of money. And it's also, you don't have to deal with the shit of people just thinking of you as a failure all yeah. the time. Like, can you imagine being a, a top five, like Trent Richardson, for instance, seriously, not even just making it the joke, like Trent Richardson, like the rest of his life, wherever he goes, nobody thinks Trent Richardson, historic Alabama player, they think shitty NFL bust. That's yeah. what they think of you. It's your reputation that you have to live with every single day. So you're asking me if I'd rather be Eric Flowers or like Tony Jefferson. I'd rather be Tony Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tony's almost too. become a household name. Yeah, though. maybe, maybe so. I'm. It's close. Yeah, like uh, the guy that comes to mind for me is Brian Robinson, Texas guy. Yeah, he played in the league for like 12 years. You probably Bingo. don't even know who he is unless you're a Texas fan. But I mean, I'm sure he made enough money to keep himself and his family fed, so he's doing all right. And he got to play in the NFL for a very long time. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one though. That's one of the better ones we have. That right. next one, our boy Tyler Warden. It's been a long time since we've seen you, man. We miss you. Would you rather win MVP and lose the Super Bowl, or win the Super Bowl but never see the field? Oof, man. Oh, damn. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather be on the field and lose. Like I'd rather play than yep. Matt Castle this shit and just get a ring. But that's. It's not the question. Yeah, it would you rather win the Super, win MVP and lose the Super Bowl? So you played and you lost. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather do that. It's like Coney Ely. He almost won it that year. You know, he had like three sacks and a pick and all that. And like he almost won and they lost. Yeah, I'll I'll take that trophy and not win the Super Bowl. Like I'm good with that. Being the Dan Marino guy for forever. <laughs> There's some love in that. You talk about Super Bowls. My brain goes to Dan Marino it, every, every time. time. Every sometimes you say John and what I like Jim Kelly. Right. Thurman yeah. Thomas. They're, they're doing all right. Yeah, they're fine. They had great careers. Final one is for Matt, specifically from Shane Merriman. Would you rather the 49ers make the Super Bowl every year or Texas make the BCS bowl game every year? It's going to be really hard to make the BCS bowl game. Yeah. So you guys <laughs> doesn't exist. With BCS. <laughs> yeah. CFP. Yeah. As I read that, I slowly <laughs> yeah. like... I slowly was like, oh, shit. <laughs> not not shitting on our listeners, though. I mess up all the time. So, yeah, take it away, Matt. I feel like, you, Mello and Connor, you both know this answer for me, and it's not even close. So, And it might surprise our listeners. I'm, I'm a Niners fan. I always will be. I don't really follow them that closely. Like I got a little upset when they uh, <laughs> lost a couple weeks ago because it fucked up the draft order. But I am a Texas fan. Like I, my mood revolves around if they win or not. I, the last fight I got in with my girlfriend was the night they lost to Oklahoma State. Like, <laughs> and we got a fight because they lost to Oklahoma State. I was going to say, was it about the game? Was she going for Oklahoma State? She better not be. She's been moving out. But, but, I mean, I was going to come across this table if you said the 49ers. No, so. it's Texas. Like, I would rather Texas make it every year because I actually do, like, live and die with their seasons. The Niners, it's like, I mean, I love it when they do well, but because like when you cover the league every day, you really start to root for players. Like I would be so happy for like Joe Staley if the Niners made a Super Bowl, and I would love it for George Kittle and guys like that. But I mean, I I really don't care if they win or lose. Yeah, college is a whole different beast when it comes to fandom because you're tied to these guys forever. Whereas in the NFL, your guy could be cut or traded the next week, and you're just like, well, he's not a 49er anymore, so I don't really care. Whereas Vince Young, Colt McCoy are going to be forever Texas Longhorns. Like even Alabama fans with Jalen Hurts, if he goes somewhere else this year, you can still be very thankful for the championships that he gave you, and he's probably always going to be like an Alabama guy. So let me let me pivot here. 
Matt, would you rather the 49ers make the Super Bowl every year or the Royals make the World Series every the year? The Royals, again, like yep. a million times over. I cried the night the Royals won the World Series. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And here's, I swear to God, I, I'm hand to the Lord. I would rather the Predators make the Stanley Cup than the Niners make the Super yep. Bowl. Like, I... Maybe I'm spoiled. I've seen the Niners in six Super Bowls. <laughs> Let's just start power ranking your favorite teams. I bet the Niners are last. I mean, probably. I get do. it. Yeah. Do you have an NBA team? If I, if I did, they'd probably be higher. I mean, just when you work in it, it's hard to care. Yeah, it, I, especially. I totally agree with you. That's why I don't have an NFL team still. Like, I don't really know if I do. Like, I don't know if well, I, I think you do. You were pretty. You angry tweeted when they won and lost true. the number one pick. I might be more of a Patriots fan than a Niners He's just fan. mad online, though. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. He's in the fuck it, they can't even lose right. I'm just yeah. going to give up. <laughs> right. That is pretty accurate. Oh, God. All right. That is our show. Merry Christmas, guys. Like, for real, uh, we appreciate everything that y'all allow us to do as being great listeners. Some amazing questions that let us get through a holiday show. Hopefully, y'all are enjoying it as you're out there driving. Be safe. Be careful. Get home. Uh, take care of your families. We will be back. This show never stops. Like, oh, it's a holiday? No, not for us. We will be back with a new show Wednesday morning. Going to be so much fun. We'll talk to you all then. For Mello and Connor, Smat, Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon.